It is so good that all of us get to be together. Everybody here in the room, everybody on the patio, and all of you who are watching online right now and in the future, which is kind of cool. How many watch on demand? But I want to have you think about this. There are certain things in life that are more important than others. Now think about that with me again. There are certain things in life that are far more important than others. And I want to say this, what we're about to talk about right now is the most important thing. Nothing matters more. Nothing, nothing has more of an effect on who you are as a person, on how your family goes, on the trajectory of your life. And get ready for this. It has everything to do with where you'll spend eternity, but it also has everything to do with what your life will be like right now on earth. It's that important. Now, you may not know that it's that important, but that doesn't make it not important. See, whether we know it or not, it's that big a deal. Now, what are we talking about? It's the answer to this one question. Do you know God? Now, I'm not talking about are we religious? I'm not saying were you, uh, you know, uh, raised in the church? I'm not saying, do you even get ready for this one? This might surprise you. Do you believe in Jesus? The question is, do you know him? Do you have a personal relationship with him? John chapter 17, verse three says this. It says, and this is the way. By the way, I love this. Anybody else watch The Mandalorian? Okay, how many Mandalorians? All right, yeah, on the chat, gotta put it. Mandalorian. Okay, what do they say? This is the way. This is the way. But it is. This is the way to have eternal life. To know to know you, to actually know. And I told many of you already know this. That comes from a Greek word, uh, gnosko. And the Greek word gnosko means to know by experience. Uh, not to know someone exists in your head. It's about a genuine relationship where you know them and you get to know them better and better and you experience life together. So it says, this is the way to have eternal life, to know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ, the one you sent to the earth. So here's the bottom line is you and I need to know this is the way. This is the way to God. This is the way to God being your father. This is the way to having a, an amazing life here on earth. By the way, here's what's so wild about it. I'm not saying easy. Because I want to tell you something incredible. When you genuinely know God, when you genuinely know God, then the good things are better and the hard things are great. You know why? Because whenever a bad thing happens and you know God, all you're doing is waiting for a miracle to occur. And you just step back going, here he comes. God's going to show up. But if you don't know God, he's not going to show up. And so what you need to know is this is the way to have an amazing life here. And it's the way to heaven. And there are those who actually are going to be very religious people that are going to stand at the, the gateway of eternity and the Lord's going to turn them away. Jesus actually warned about that. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 21, it says this. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, a lot of people are going to say, I believe in you. Some are going to say, but you're my Lord. And he said, not everybody who says that will enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter. Then in verse 22. 
Many will say to me on that day, and that day is the judgment day. He's talking about the judgment day. Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name cast out demons and in your name perform many miracles? And it says this, and then I will declare to them, what's the key? Are you ready for it? I never knew you. I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. So the Lord is very, very clear here. The most important thing for you, the most important thing for me, get ready for this. The most important thing for the people you love is do they know the Lord? It's not, are they happy? You know, that, that almost sometimes scares me when I hear parents say, all that matters is that my kids are happy, but they could be happy and go to hell. Th- that, that isn't all that matters. Uh, and so we, we've got to get it right. We've got to have the right focus. And so Jesus warns when he comes back, that is the focus. And if you've been around, we know we're living in the last days. I believe that the, actually James said this. James said the judge is standing at the door. And if James said that back then, I think the door opened and he's stepping in. Okay, he's coming. And what does he say he's going to focus on when he comes? It's in 2 Thessalonians verse 1. It says, he will come with his mighty angels and in flaming fire, bringing judgment on those who don't know God. When he comes back, he's going to judge anybody who doesn't know God. Why? It's the most important thing. Nothing matters more. And on those who refuse to obey the good news of our Lord Jesus Christ. So there's no doubt that. And he says they will be punished with eternal destruction, forever separated from the Lord and from his glorious power. So the Bible is very consistent in telling us nothing matters more than this. Nothing matters more than this. So the question comes back again, do you know him? Do you genuinely know the Lord? And by the way, do those you care about know the Lord? Which is the reason why what we're about to dig in tonight and for the next 19 to 21 weeks is so important. Uh, we, We decided to pull out and step back and talk about what matters most. And then I got with Craig and, and with Tracy and I said, I believe what we need to do is we need to take what we call the theology interview and we need to bring that to a teaching on Wednesday night. Now, what is the theology interview? Uh, to go on staff at Crossroads Christian Church, you have to go through uh, five or six or 10 or 20, I don't know, a lot of interviews. It's a lot. But the most important one to me is the theology interview. And uh, I get to conduct that with quite a few people. A lot of other people on our staff get to actually lead people through it. But the idea is this. We want to make sure, and I think a lot of you have already told me this. I've had a many come up and say, I didn't know we did this, but I'm so glad we did. You want to know, you want to know that anybody we hire on staff knows what they believe and why they believe it. See, that's what the theology interview is all about. You need to know what you believe and why you believe it. Uh, Craig cracked me up uh, when he was saying, when he interviewed to be the junior high pastor, he's now our teaching pastor, but when he interviewed to be the junior high pastor, uh, after the theology interview, he went home and told Christina, I'm not going to be hired. So Craig, remember just a few weeks ago and staff said, that's how I felt. How many of you felt that way? Half the hands in the room went up. 
And by the way, we don't make it hard on purpose, but we do ask the questions. Basically about 19 questions we ask. 19 things we delve into and really try to get people to talk about what they believe and why they believe it. Uh, One of my favorite theology interviews, I'm sitting with the person and I said, hey, are you nervous? And they looked at me and they go, no. They go, Pastor Chuck, I've been under your teaching. So if I fail, it's your fault. (laughs) Yeah, they're not hired. No, I'm kidding. But I've sat with people who blew me away. They just blew me away. They were so on it. They knew what they believed and why they believed it. And they were so quick about it. By the way, I've sat through some older people who I just sat going, man, what deep faith you've had. What rich faith you've had. But I've sat with a lot of younger people who just knew it and had it. And it blew my mind. And then I've also sat with people who I was shocked about what they came out with what they said they believed. And I'm like, whoa. And, it, and not meanly, it turned into a witnessing time as I tried to, to lead them to Christ sometimes or lead them to the right direction and show them what would really matter most that they would know. So what I want to say again is I don't think I'm overstating that when we dig into things like this, this is in the end what matters most. This is what we want to know. Do you know what you believe and why you believe it? By the way, you may never be on staff here, but I don't, don't you agree we want to be a church. Does everybody agree? We want to be a church that knows what we believe and why we believe what we believe. And we want to be that way. So when the, when the theology interview begins, we start with this question. We start with, what is your understanding of God's nature? Describe your Trinitarian understanding. Those are good questions. What is your understanding of God's nature? And it's actually the same question. Describe your Trinitarian understanding. Now, if I were to ask you that question, we'd want you to begin to talk about it, but also to quote scripture to tell us, you know, why you believe what you believe. So we'd want you to do that. Now, just so you know, I sometimes don't ask this question in that way. Uh, matter of fact, uh, uh, the first time I kind of changed it up, uh, Galen, I think, was with me. And Galen was like, what are you doing? But then you realize what I was doing. So what I do sometimes, instead of asking the question, I give them a scenario. And I say this. Suppose you have a high school student come to you. And they tell you that they have a friend, a high school friend, who's Jehovah's Witness. And their friend is saying that Jesus is not God. What would you tell them? And I got to say this, I'm not trying to be mean if this is you, so don't, I, I'm not trying to attack anybody. But sometimes what I watch them do is go off the rails into something. And I'm like, wait, wait, are we in the same room? And, and here's how they usually do it. They usually say, well, I, I'll tell the high school student, you know what really matters are relationships. So you really want to build a relationship with your friend and you want to make sure that they understand eventually that it's about having a relationship with Jesus. And I'm like, whoa, 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 slow down. Here's why. How many people know Jehovah's Witnesses? Anybody? Okay, quite a few of you. Would you, we all know something. You know what you know about Jehovah's Witnesses? They quote scripture for everything they believe. If you send that high school student back to have the conversation and they can't quote scripture, they're going to be destroyed. And I'm not going to say this in a lightweight way. I mean this seriously. We may lose them from the faith. 
because they're going to meet somebody who knows what they believe and why they believe it, and they don't. You're sending someone to get butchered, and it could be horrible what comes out on the other side. By the way, that might happen with their friends who are Jehovah's Witnesses. It might happen with their friends who are Mormon. Because you already know this, the vast majority of Mormon high school students, where are they once a week at 7 a.m. studying what they believe and why they believe it? And if you can't arm that student with quality things to say, with foundational truths they can stand on, they may lose more than an argument. They could lose their salvation. And by the way, whose fault would that be? I want to tell you whose fault it would be. It'd be whoever sent them into that because they didn't give them a good answer. And that's the last thing we want to do. We need to know what God has for us. We need to know what he wants us to understand and do. And so that's so important for us. So by the way, I'm hoping, I'm hoping that if I were to ask you the question, tell me, uh, describe your Trinitarian understanding or what is your understanding of God's nature or how would you give an answer to someone who's Jehovah's Witness or Mormon or Hindu or Buddhist or Islam? Uh, what, what would you say that you would be able to not only say what you believe, but why you believe it? So that's what we're going to be digging into. Now, if I were to have the, the, the best outcome, you would start with this particular passage. And the reason I think this is the best place to start, if, by the way, if someone doesn't start here, it doesn't mean they don't pass the interview. But the reason I think this is the best place to start is because most of you know that an attorney sat down with Jesus and asked this question, what is God's greatest commandment? And Jesus right away dove into what's called the Shema. It's in Deuteronomy chapter 6. And this is where I hope you would start your understanding on what you believe and why you believe it. And here's what Jesus quoted, especially in the book of Mark. He said, hear, O Israel, which by the way, the word hear is the word Shema. Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God. The Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. Now notice this in context. Let's go to the next part of that verse. It says this. It says, the words which I am commanding you today shall be on your heart. Not just in your head. This ought to be a part of your heart. And then it says, you shall teach them diligently to your sons and shall talk of them when you sit in your house. And when you... Uh, Walk, that's the word walk. When you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise up, and then it says this, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontals on your forehead. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. And, and God's great desires that we would do that. That it would be so central to our life, such much of a focus that everywhere we look, everything we say, what we do with our children, all revolves around the beginning and the middle. The beginning is here. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God and the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength. So here's where we get. Jesus said, you don't want to know what's important? That you know who God is and you love God for who he is. So track with me. That you know who he is so you can know him. And you love him for who he is. Uh, the word starts out, the very beginning of this is that word hear or shema. Now the word shema is a very interesting Hebrew word. It means to hear, to perceive, to be aware of the existence of, 
to understand completely. Now, in the English, I think the best translation of the word Shema is this. Get ready. I get it. No, I know you're not tracking with me. Have you ever been in a situation and someone's talking and you're like, what are you saying? And then you ask questions and all of a sudden you go, oh, I get it. Do you, get, do you know what that means? It means like, oh, yeah, now the light bulb went on. The understanding came. Uh, the concept was embraced. And you know what Jesus said? I want you to be an I get it person. I get it. The Lord is my God. He's our God. And the Lord is how many? One. That there's only one God. And it's our Lord, our God. And that's what we have to know. That's what we have to do. That's what we need to live. And so in that I get it moment, we understand the greatest commandment calls for us to get it. And it calls for us to get it in such a way that we know who God is and we love him for who he is. So this question becomes so important. It becomes the first one we ask whenever anybody's in a situation where we're thinking about putting them in leadership at this church. And, and we want to have everybody have an understanding of this. And we want you to know it for right from the start. So what does the Bible teach regarding the nature of God? Well, Deuteronomy 6 says this, that there's only one God. There's only one God. And God is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And that term is where, uh, and we get a term to describe that called the Trinity, uh, called the Trinity. And so that's what we want you to understand. The theological term we use for this is the Trinity, that God is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, but they all are one. They're not three separate gods. Encyclopedia Britannica, interestingly, says this. Trinity and Christian doctrine is the unity of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit as three persons in one Godhead. I think that's kind of interesting. They use the word Godhead. Godhead comes out of Colossians 2.9 in the King James Version of the Bible. So hear and know. The Lord says, hear and know that there's only one God. First uh, Timothy 1.17 says this. Now, to the king eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God. There's no other God but God. To be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. And then I want you to hear Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 44. Uh, by the way, some of you uh, have heard me talk about this. But I love all the Bible. I love all the prophets. But Isaiah, man, he was cool. Now, why is Isaiah so different? Why is he so cool? Because most of what he describes, he starts out with these words, I saw. He actually saw Jesus. He heard Jesus. He saw Mary. Are you ready for that? God gave him the ability to see from where he was in his point in time into the future. And he knew, he saw Mary and he said, she's a virgin and she's pregnant. And then he saw the child. He saw Jesus as a baby. Jesus as a man. And Jesus crucified. But he also saw him risen. And he saw him returning. So Isaiah has this incredible view uh, of the Lord. And so what happened, Isaiah 44, verse 6, uh, Isaiah says, thus says the Lord. God told me this is what he's saying. The King of Israel and his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts. And here's what God said. I am the first and I am the last. And there is no God besides me. There's no God besides me. And so I think that's really important to know. 
Hinduism teaches there are 33 million gods. That's a lot. And it says there are 33 million gods that each represent an aspect of the supreme absolute who is the god Brahman. But the bottom line is Hinduism is the idea that there's this incredible number of gods out there, 33 million. But Mormons take it up a notch. Mormons believe not only there are a multitude of gods, Mormons believe there are billions and billions of gods and there are new gods coming all the time. Uh, Parley Pratt, who was a Mormon apostle, he personally knew Joseph Smith. Uh, He is the great-grandfather of Mitt Romney. He's the great-great-grandfather of Mitt Romney. He said this, If we should take a million worlds like this and number their particles, we should find that there are more gods than there are particles of matter in those worlds. In other words, if you take a a, a million worlds, a million earths, break it into its smallest particles, the atom. And actually some of you know physics go, there's particles smaller than the atom. But let's just go atom for a moment. He said, you know what? There would be more gods than that. More gods than millions times the smallest particles you can imagine. And then he said this. He said, the God who dwells in the heavens have been exalted also from fallen men to celestial gods to inhabit their heavens forever and ever. What he was saying is this. We believe not only there are billions of gods, but men, all men, by the way, not women, not women, all men can become gods. And then they get to have their own heaven and their own earth. And that's what they believe. And then he goes on to say, this has been the consistent teaching of Mormonism since Prophet Smith first publicly proclaimed it more than 150 years ago and is the very essence of Mormonism today. So the Mormons believe that they're not only one God, they don't believe that, they believe there are billions of gods and they believe that any man can become a God. And so what we need to know is God is saying that's not true. He said, I am the only God. There is no other besides me. And he said this, I want you to know there'll be none after me. Isaiah chapter 43 says this in verse 10. You are my witnesses, declares the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen, so you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me, there was no God formed. So how many gods were there before God? Ready? None. And then he says this, and there will be none after me. So by the way, some of the men in the room, if you think you're going to be a God one day, not going to happen. And your, your wife will tell you. Or your kids will tell you more. If you have a junior higher, they've already told you. Anyway, verse 11. I, even I, am the Lord, and there is no Savior besides me. So to know who God is, we need to know he is the only God. Why? Here, here, the Lord says. Here, understand, get it. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. See, Mormons believe that God was once a man and that he became a God. And that every man again can do that. Uh, President Lorenzo Snow of the Mormon Church said this, is man now is, God once was. And as God now is, man may become. And, and we need to be able to show why that's not true. And the Bible could not be clear that it's not true. See, God makes it clear there was no God before him. None will come after him. Why? The Lord our God, the Lord is one. First Corinthians chapter eight talks about the idea that people believe there are lots of gods out there. And so this is a whole section on 
Can you eat meat that was offered to idols? Now, idols are false gods that people worship. So the question is, as a believer in the true God, uh, if you were to go to a meat market, could you buy meat that was offered to one of those idols? So he begins to answer that. He says, therefore, concerning the eating of things sacrificed to idols, we know there is no such thing as an idol in the world and that there is no God but one. We know the Lord our God, the Lord is one. That's what he's saying. And I don't want you to, he doesn't want us to miss that. Verse five, for even if there are so-called gods, even if the Mormons call lots of things gods, even if the Hindus have 33 million gods, so there's all these so-called gods, whether in heaven or on earth, as indeed there are many gods and many lords that people are naming. Verse six, yet for us, there is but one God. There is only one God. And it's the father from whom all things are, are all things and we exist for him. And one Lord, Jesus Christ, by whom are all things and we exist through him. So everything is for God and everything is from God, but there's one God. And that's what we need to know. And we need to know what we believe and why we believe it. And God is God the Father, but God, who's the one God, is also God the Son. Colossians 2 verse 9, talking about Jesus, said this, for in him, and in him is Jesus, all the fullness of the Godhead or the deity dwells in bodily form. Jesus, and Craig will get into this next week in a phenomenal way with you, Jesus is fully God and fully man. And so when he came and dwelt on this earth, he was completely God, but he also was completely man. And so we need to understand that in him, all the fullness dwelt bodily. Now, Islam does not believe that. Islam, which means submission to the will of God, that's what that word literally means, says there is no God but Allah and Muhammad is his prophet. They repeat that over and over again. I've had some awesome conversations uh, with people who are part of the Islam religion. And, and it's so fun, but I always wait that quote is coming. Uh, they're going to say it at some point. There is no God but Allah and Muhammad is his prophet. But Islam also teaches that Jesus was the prophet, but not God. And Islam teaches this, that Jesus did not die on the cross for our sins. I remember talking with an awesome college student who was uh, part of the Islam religion. And, and I said to him, I said, well, then who did die on the cross? He said, Barabbas. And I'm, I go, where do you, he goes, that, that's the truth. We know the truth and you don't know the truth. But Barabbas died on the cross, but no one rose from the dead. And I said, well, that's the central problem to the difference between you and I and what we believe. You see, we have a mosque right here in Corona. And I'm hoping that you'll befriend people from the mosque. I hope you'll love people from the mosque. Uh, uh, we had an event not that long ago and, and Doug Hughes had let out in it. Doug, I was so proud of you. And I'll never forget this couple from the mosque came and they were right out here on the patio. And the coolest thing is I watched people from our church family love on them and welcome them and care about them. And I kept thinking, I wonder if one of them will get a chance to have the conversation and be able to then tell what we believe and why, they believe, why we believe it. Because I'm going to tell you this, the people I've met from the mosque, they know what they believe and why they believe it. And we need to know that. We need to be that sure. 
Uh, And so we need to be able to say, Jesus is God. In John chapter one, John begins with that. He begins the gospel of John with, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. So the idea that Jesus is God was central to what John begins with. And then he goes on to say this in John one verse 14, and the word who is Jesus became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw his glory. The glory is the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. And then down in John 1 verse 18, it says this, no one has seen God at any time. The only begotten God, who was the word, became flesh, who was in the bosom of the Father, he has explained him. And Jesus came and lived amongst us. Why? So we could know who he is, and we could know God. So that we could know God. That's why he came. So one day Jesus is standing with his followers, his friends, and he said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He said, I want you to know we're one, and the Lord our God is one. The Lord our God is one. Uh, They had a hard time grasping that, which you can imagine. And then he dies on the cross, which we'll talk about on Good Friday and share in a very special time of remembrance. I hope you're planning on doing that. And then he rises from the dead on the third day, just like he said he would, just like he said he would. And then what happens at that point is the vast majority of the people who had been following him and close to him, who he said that was going to happen, they didn't believe it. And he starts to appear to them and they believe, they believe, they believe. But one guy's missing, Thomas. Matter of fact, I always wonder where Thomas was. We're not told that, but he wasn't there. And he kept saying, I'm not going to believe it unless I can touch the nail print in his hands. Unless I, my hand, I can touch the wound in his side. And Jesus appears and he says, Thomas, come, touch the nail print. Thomas, touch my side. And John 20, verse 28 says this. Thomas answered and said to him, my Lord and my God. And Jesus said to him, because you have seen me, you have you believed? Blessed are they who did not see and yet believed. Don't miss this part here. You know why? Do you know who he's talking about? You. Hey, blessed are you. You didn't see any of it, but you believe. By the way, we're a church that has staked our faith on it and we've staked our lives on the fact that we believe he is the Lord and he is our God. Isn't that right? Yeah. By the way, if I were to talk with the high school student and say, if you can only quote one passage of scripture to your Jehovah's Witness friend, this is the one. Share with them, hey, Jesus is God, and let me show you why. Thomas actually said, my Lord and my God, and Jesus didn't say, no, 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 don't say that. He said, because you've seen me, you believe. Blessed are you, Thomas. You got it right. You get it. You shamad this moment. And blessed are those, the rest who are going to believe too. And then I would do this. I've done this many times. I've looked at a Jehovah's Witness and I've said, I'm going to say these words. Get ready. Jesus, you're my Lord and my God. And then I look at him and say, can you say that? Can you quote the scripture? And uh, they can't. And I'll say, well, this is in, even, even though our Bibles disagree, they have their own Bible, the New World Translation. And, and, and I would say, but let's open up yours. It says it in there. And by the way, it does say it in there. And say, why don't you read it? You don't have to to quote it. What if you just read it? 
And I can't tell you how many times they sit there looking and I go, are you, are you struggling reading your own Bible? But what does that tell you? See, again, not trying to win an argument. I'm trying to win a friend. But I want to do it. Yeah, I want to do it meeting them in the place that matters most around Scripture. And we've got to be able to do that. Uh, by the way, that's the great calling we all have is that we would be able to do that. We would be able to take the truth to God's word and we'd be able to talk about it in a way that would make sense to them. And that's what God wants us to know. That's what God wants us to do. By the way, uh, I do agree with Sawyer. When it comes to the Trinity, it's very difficult to understand it. Now, let me tell you why it is, because I know why it is. Because we're trying to understand God. Now, you can know God, but nobody in this room has a mind where you can understand God. By the way, you say, well, I don't know how that makes sense. Okay, I know my wife. I do not understand her. God is great. God is infinite. If you think, if you bring God down to your understanding, then you don't know the real God. And Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes tells us that we can have an idea of eternity and an idea of God, but we can't understand everything. And in Ecclesiastes uh, chapter 3, verse 11, it says this, Ecclesiastes 3, verse 11. We're going to be jumping down, you guys. All right, it says this. Yet God has made everything beautiful in its own time. He has planted eternity in the human heart. But even so, people cannot see the whole scope of God's work from beginning to end. So I concluded there is nothing better than to be happy and enjoy ourselves as long as we can. Knowing God, though. Knowing God. Not apart from knowing God. So you and I need to be a part of that. Which brings us back to Deuteronomy chapter 6 that says this. Hear, O Israel. And I'm going to ask you to do this this week. I would love for you to, to med- memorize these two verses of Scripture. So I hope you're in on that. But here's why. Because Jesus said, you want to know what matters most? You want to know what matters uh, in the end? You don't want to know what matters more than anything? that you get it, that you hear, that you shema, O Israel, that you shema, all those who are the followers of God. The Lord is our God. The Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And I hope that you do. I hope you know who he is and I hope you love him for who he is. Right now, I want to say this. Maybe there's somebody here that you need to make that step of faith into a relationship with him that's real. You need to say to him, I believe and I now want to put myself into a place where I can know you better and better. And you might say, Lord, I don't know you. By the way, I'm not trying to get, I'm, let's just, I'm, I'm trying to talk honestly. If I say, do you know the Lord? And you say, I think so. That's not good enough. I don't think you meet God and forget him. It's not like, oh yeah, God, I think I met him last Friday, but I'm not sure. You would know if you did. And whether you're here or on the patio or online, that's the big question. Do you know the Lord? Do you know the Lord? Father, I pray right now there would be a moment of contemplation going on where people could be in a place or you'll speak to him. Because one thing I know, Lord, is you want us to know you. You want us to know you. 
He wants you to know him. I promise you he does. Jesus came and, and, and took on flesh and lived the life he lived so we could know God. So right now, if you aren't in a relationship with the Lord that's real, you're not in a place that's true, then I'm going to invite you right now to pray a prayer where you can tell the Lord, I want to give my life to you. I want to know you. I really want to know you. So if so, pray this prayer with me. Say, Lord Jesus, I know you love me. And I know you died on the cross for me and you died for my sins. I pray you'll forgive me and cleanse me from all my sin. I pray you'll heal me from hurt and from pain. I pray you'll free me from anything or anyone that would hold me down or hold me back. But most of all, I pray you'll make me yours. And I pray you'll make me alive. And I pray you'll make me brand new. So I say yes to you. And I say yes to the life you have for me. So take me now and make me yours. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen if you prayed that prayer. And if you prayed that prayer and you're watching online right now, text amen to 77247. Text amen to 77247. And we want to get back with you. We want to give you a free book. We want to help you grow in your walk with God. Thanks again for joining us. Here at Crossroads, we're all about helping people take their next step. So, what's your next step? Whether you've made a decision to follow Jesus, want to be baptized, or you're interested in knowing more about God and the Bible through our Alpha class, we can help you take your next step at crossroadschurch.family. We also want to invite you to gather your family and friends to join us right here online again next week. We're live Wednesdays at 7 p.m. or Sundays at 9 a.m. So if you're watching on YouTube, hit that subscribe button and you'll never miss out on any new messages. If you found this message encouraging, click the like button and let us know how we can pray for you this week in the comments. Finally, if your life is being impacted by Crossroads and if you want to be part of making an impact all over the world, you can head to crossroadschurch.family to do that now. Thanks again for watching and we'll see you next time.